If you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are resuming our study of the gifts in the body, the gifts that have been given. I think it's important that we get our bearings, starting in chapter 4, begin in verse 1. Does anyone need a Bible? Everybody good? I want to make sure everybody has a copy. Okay. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, it's Christ's body. There is one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Just as also you were called in one hope, that is the return of Christ, of your calling. One Lord, that's Jesus. One faith, that's the biblical faith, not exercising faith. It means the faith that is constituted by Christ is the Christian faith in its purest sense. One baptism, spirit baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now let me refresh real quick. The measure of Christ's gift to the church, in particular, is the Holy Spirit. Now having a ministry that was previously unknown or unheard of, whereas before in Old Testament times, up until Acts chapter 2, the Spirit would be upon people, but now we see something different of the Spirit indwelling every believer in Christ. It's radically different. Imagine having just the Ten Commandments, and being called on to keep those Ten Commandments without any help of the Holy Spirit. Now sadly, in the church, it's often been preached that the law has bearing on the church today in order to uphold it and keep it. It does not. The book of Galatians tells us very plainly, we are not under the law. We are under Christ. We have a Savior from those things. In fact, the law was meant to be a schoolmaster to lead us to Jesus, to our need for Jesus. So does the law have a place? The law has a place for unbelievers. The law has a place for disobedient Christians. To help them understand lying is wrong. Where do we find that? Law. Stealing, cheating is wrong. We find a place for that. And what is that to do? It's instead to give them the opportunity of yourself cannot do this. Only Christ is sufficient for these things. So it's not that the law is bad. It's a good thing. The Holy Spirit has been given to enhance that opportunity, to make a spirit connection in that relationship, and to lift us up into the heavenlies where we are seated with Him. So it says to each one of us grace, this gift, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. Now, we spent a lot of time on that, and I don't want to rehash it. But the idea is, is that Jesus Christ, being victorious in His death, burial, and resurrection has taken a lot of the spiritual forces 
captive in a way as to where he turns around and divides the spiritual spoils amongst us, the body of Christ. And so now every single person has been given a spiritual gift of which to exercise. And while we're not there yet, we will be getting there in the next few weeks. He says here, now this expression, he ascended, verse 9, what does it mean? Except that he, also, he had descended into the lower parts of the earth, meaning he came down from heaven to the earth. He who descended is himself also. He who ascended far above the heavens after his resurrection, he ascended. Why? So that he might fill all things. In other words, and now that he's ascended at the right hand of Christ, he's doing stuff. Now, I'm real thankful that Jesus isn't like, y'all get your act together and I'll get in motion whenever you're, you got it together. No. This is why the post-millennial guys don't make any sense to me. We're not getting any better. Have you noticed? People are trying to build kingdoms, but you end up with the same spiritual results. Right? Bad. So Christ is doing something. Christ wants to administer something spiritually, and guess who he wants to do it through? Us. And here's the thing. Every believer in Christ needs to say, me. Me. You. Doesn't matter who it is. If you're a believer in Christ, he wants to use you for his purposes. Now he starts this idea by showing us that he's started filling all things, but he's got a way that he wants to get it done. And what we're going to see is a lot of churches get it wrong because they try to do it another way. The first thing he's done is he's given gifts to the church in the form of offices that he desires to have fulfilled. And all of these offices have one thing in common. They are all centered on the word of God, period. That's it, and that's all. And that's all that's needed. It's sufficient. So he says here, verse 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Now, We showed this slide before about how each one of these offices have something in particular that they fulfill that's going on. Can we bring that slide up real quick with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, okay? Apostles as far as the authority and the New Testament canon. When God was done with Revelation, it was over. There is no new revelation from God. There are no apostles today. Prophets. Prophets were given for the sake of inerrancy. God doesn't make mistakes when he speaks, even when he speaks through people. This is why when somebody comes to you and says, I have a word from the Lord, put your spiritual mask on, okay? Scary. They don't have a new word from the Lord. If it's not already affirmed in what's been revealed in this word, it's not from God. When God speaks, he doesn't make mistakes. Since God is done speaking in his word, we don't need prophets today. Evangelists are all about the idea of communicating the ability of the Word of God. It brings lost people from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. That is the power of the gospel. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing what? Do we know? The Word of Christ. So when we share the gospel with somebody, that's what has the power. Not our presentation, not our persuasive speech, not the tactics that we lined out here. It's telling them about sin, righteousness, and judgment, the exact places where the Holy Spirit is convicting. We work alongside Him in presenting the message. It's not our job to get people saved. For the church, there are supposed to be evangelists that hold an office. We need a church evangelist. 
I don't think these are just itinerant evangelists who travel around everywhere in a motorhome and, and whatever. I don't think that's the situation. I think it's a place that is born in the local church because the local church is the only entity put forward of which Christ desires to work through. Now, I know that rubs some people the wrong way. What about parachurch organizations? My greatest problem with parachurch organizations is a lot of them have a board of Christian people, but they're not plugged into a local church. In Acts chapter 2, Christ started the church. He didn't start a parachurch organization. So that connection is vital that needs to happen because it's biblical. That's God's chosen means. The next one is pastors. The idea is authority, but the word of God is given to change. There has to be a dissemination of information to you so that you will participate in assimilation and see some transformation as you go on vacation. Everybody hear that? Has everybody got that? Okay. And that's what we're going to see today. When the word is taught and invested into a life, a life is now responsible for upholding it and operating according to it so that Christ's desired end will take place. We were meant to change. We were meant to conform to the image of Christ. And we only change in one way. We change by the word of God being the raw material fed into the spark of the indwelling Holy Spirit which generates a fire that begins to burn us from the inside out. And what is it burning away? The dross. Burning away the flesh. Getting rid of the carnal desires to want to do my own thing and act my own way. The word of God is the change agent connected with the Holy Spirit to change us. That's why you guys sit in here and listen to me yell for minutes and 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 minutes. Now the last one is teachers. Teachers are here to reinforce what is taught. To constantly be ingraining it into everyone. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? And maybe you don't bring this up, but try it sometime and see what they do and ask them how they feel about it. Throw the word doctrine out there. Does that freak some people out? Doctrine. Is it like that sometimes? For some people it is. Is it a bad word? So why do people have such an aversion to it? It's truth. And truth is light. And if light does anything, it exposes darkness. Teachers are here to reinforce. Listen to me, guys. This world is a hammer. It's constantly trying to get its ideology into our heads. You don't think that's true? It doesn't take long to hear all the stories that happened when COVID took place. And everybody's like, oh, well, we can't go to school. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually do online school. And the kids are going to sit at home. And they're going to learn online with their teachers. And that gave parents an opportunity to hear what was being taught in the classroom. And homeschool numbers have shot through the roof. Why? Because you're teaching my child false doctrine. See, it's not that the word doctrine is bad. It depends on what the content of doctrine is. This world will take every opportunity possible and will grab kids as young as they can because Satan does not care. And let's not think for any minute that I'm being hyper-spiritual about this. Satan is behind all of this. 
Who else could orchestrate such evil in this world? Some of the things I'm hearing I'm a little shocked by, but I shouldn't be surprised. I'm almost ashamed at myself because the Word of God tells me, in the last days, these things will happen, these things will happen, these things will happen. I can easily sit here and do this because you're seeing it. You're seeing it unfold. The local church upholds the Word of God of what He's revealed and wants us to know, and we are constantly reinforcing through word-centered offices so that we would apply that to our lives and be the lights that we need to be because this world is dying. All of these offices are word-centered. Now, we move into verse 12. And this is where all the connection takes place. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping. Everybody see this word, equipping? Good word. We're trying to get you ready for the zombie apocalypse. That's why. In fact, one of the I, I looked at this word through a lot of different things. One of the best translations I found of this word. Completely outfitted. You might think of Rambo for a minute, maybe. Completely decked out. Having everything at immediate disposal, easy to use, not struggling for anything. It may be a hard time, but you're able to meet it. This Greek word was actually used in secular settings of what it was to put a bone back in place in the medical field. It had gotten out of joint, it got it broken, maybe you had a compound fracture. They're getting it back in there, they're setting a bone, and they're making sure that it is straightened again. And now it is set and ready to move forward. Another idea here, let's see what it was. The fitting together. A condition of fitness to discharge the functions within the body. Now here's what's amazing. Notice that what we are equipped with is only one thing. We never get beyond this. We never get ahead of this. We're never, well, that's good for Sunday. But what's going to help me with Monday? Let me ask you, church, what is going to help you with Monday? Exactly. Jesus, the Bible, we click them together, right? Jesus, Bible. That's going to be the answer. Well, can he really do that? Yeah. Our problem is, is sometimes we negate him as even a credible answer, and so therefore we don't seek him. I don't know if you were here on Saturday night for the prophecy conference. We had a question and answer service, and we had a really big opportunity here because we have people that have traveled all over the world and seen many things and spent a lot of times in different churches and have talked to many different people. And I asked a question at the end. What would you say is the greatest need in the church right now? One of the answers was stop reading all this fluff and start reading God's Word. Know God's Word. Commit yourself to prayer and know God's Word. That's the problem. That is the problem. We don't know God's Word. We're so worried about how much time a Bible study is going to take. We're worried about how inconvenient it is to our current schedule. We're so overly concerned, and I'm not picking on anybody because nobody said anything, okay? 
But if 10 o'clock messed you up, why? I think it's a joy and a privilege that we can still meet together. Because they're trying to take that away. And it just takes time. And pressure. And time. And pressure. How's the next generation going to handle this? You think this is going away? Oh, it's not going away, man. It's not going away for a minute. Why? Because people are scared. And when people have fear, you'd be surprised at the decisions they make. Because we cry out for peace and safety. All we want is peace for safety. I just want my life back the way that it is. I love you. Your life's not going back to the way that it was. It's not. That's why we have the unchanging God. Everything else around us is on fire. Guess what? He's not. His hands are gentle. His embrace is warm. His plea is come to me so that he can minister his word to set us up above all of these things. I don't know about you, but I'm here to shine. This is an opportunity that can't be wasted. It is an opportunity to speak the gospel, and we have got to be equipped with the word of God to bring it to people. Sometimes, isn't one of the greatest answers we give why, why we don't evangelize is, well, I don't know enough? Why not? We're not a stupid church. There's not one person in here that is ignorant of these things. You have 40 years of inlaid incredible teaching that knowing this man in the brief time but knowing him like I do, Pastor Steve, I love you, brother. He's been faithful. I don't recall him dropping the ball on these things because he understands what's at stake. Why did he commit himself to the ministry of the Word like that? For you. For you. So that you would be fully equipped. So that you may not be lacking for you. Well, I've got that grenade around here somewhere. No! It's here! There it is! And when they blow up, they all say Jesus. That's a great thing about it. The reason why these word ministries, the reason why Sunday school is so important, the reason why a small group situation is important, the reason why men's ministry is important, the reason why it's important to sit down and open the word of God with your family is because of that. The reason why it's important to have those conversations about Christ-centered things, the reason why it's to be threaded in your life. These word-centered ministries double that out, ripple that out. And it is supposed to affect us so that we will be different people. Notice here, it is the equipping of the saints. That's every believer in Christ. Not a special group of people, that's every believer in Christ. It means holy ones. Those who have been set apart by the blood of Christ for His purposes. Notice, the equipping of the saints for a reason. For the work of of service. Now this is where everybody's ears turn off. Let me give you some quotes so you can kind of hear from somebody that's not me. PJ, let's bring up the Stedman quote, please. This is Ray Stedman. Had an incredible, vibrant church in California. Wrote a book called Body Life. It was an exploding community of believers. Throughout Christian centuries, no principle of church life has proved more revolutionary. Now think real quick. Revolutionary, okay? 
Banners, flags, the whole deal, going against the grain. But look what he says. And more bitterly fought than the declaration of Ephesians 4 that the ultimate work of the church is in the world is to be done by the saints. Plain, ordinary Christians. And not by a professional clergy or a few select lay people. We must never lose the impact of the Apostle Paul's statement that apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers exist for the equipment of the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now he's got more. Next one. Note that neither the apostles or prophets nor the evangelists and pastors and teachers are expected to do the work of the ministry. They are not even expected to do the work of building up the body of Christ. Those tasks are to be done only by the people. The ordinary, plain vanilla Christians we often call the laity. The four offices, he believes there's four, there's really five, whatever, love him. The five offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers exist for one function and one function only, to equip everyday Christians to do the work of God, the work that God has given them and gifted them to do. This is why right now cannot be a wasted opportunity. Is that saying that I don't do the work of the ministry? No, I am doing the work of the ministry. The ministry that God's given me to do. But you'd be blown away by how many churches you've talked to about, when's the last time you saw someone come to Christ? Well, it's been a few years. I don't know why that pastor doesn't get on the ball and get that accomplished. Isn't that what we hired him for? No. You are ignorant of the Word of God. Well, I don't understand why we don't have some life going through our church. Isn't that what we hired the pastor for? Well, the pastor just needs to speak more charismatic sermons. Is that possible? I don't know. I'm sure it can be. Just thank you. I like Jay. He always wants more volume. That's good. Is that the solution? No, actually what we find out is is that Sundays are not supposed to be lost. Sundays are significant. This time together is to be protected. How did we prepare on Saturday to be ready to be all here Sunday? Or are we going to walk out these doors and be the same people and make the same decisions and disrespect the same people who have authority over our lives and talk bad about these people and still live unruly and ungodly in a Monday through Saturday and think because we came here and we sang some songs and I'm memorizing the verse the best of my ability that I can, somehow everything's great. It's not. That's experiencing an American church mentality. That's not what Paul desires or the Holy Spirit desires for us. He wants us experiencing Christ. It's about a person, not a protocol. It is not being outfitted to fulfill just some simple instructions. We love checklists. But if we're doing it wrong, we shouldn't expect anything other than the results that we get. Now let me say this as an encouragement. I am blown away that we are getting ready to offer nursery child care for Sunday school starting next week. That warms my heart to no end. Because what it does is it takes all of these young families that have been coming and it gives them the opportunity to say, I just need 45 minutes 
to learn. And it gives that. It's the body of Christ working with the body of Christ to make these things happen. It's being willing to step into the volunteer, whatever that thing's called, pool, and to make yourself available so to uplift someone else who may need it. It's taking a moment and saying, I will serve so that you can learn. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Are you guys blown away by the participation of people that have come for Awana? How cool is that? Art's doing games. I mean, if he's physically fit, he's doing it, man, right? But getting invested in seeking for the Word to make a difference, regardless of what part you play in the church, everybody playing their part, everybody giving them themselves, because we're motivated by the fact that the Word of God is what makes the difference, and people need more of Jesus. That's the idea. Now look what happens. The Word comes in and equips the body of Christ. The body of Christ does ministry as a result of the Word. The Word calls me to love in this way, calls me to serve in this way, calls me to teach in some of this way. Whatever the Word puts on your heart and the Holy Spirit convicts you and opens up the doors of ministry, run full force into that situation and give yourself completely to it. We give ourselves without even thinking to worldly things. What if we gave ourselves with purpose and intention, motivated by the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, into God's things? You think anything will be able to stop the church? Nothing. Nothing. We wouldn't come in discouraged. We would come in already being, next part of it, look what it says. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, that work can also be ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, if A is the equipping of the Word to the saints, and B is taking that equipping of the Word, and now that we are fully, completely outfitted with that, we're doing ministry in light of that call, something happens. We don't make it happen, it happens. Why? Because it's Holy Spirit wrought. It's something that comes out of the church getting it right. How do you approach Sundays? I'm curious. Don't answer out loud. Do we take notes? Do we go over the passage? Well, well that was last Sunday. But I don't remember what it was about this Sunday. I love when I come to you guys on Tuesday. I'm like, so what did you think about Sunday sermon? Um, what was it again? Chuck, I expect that. But everybody else? I had to get one in. Did we lose it? Was it insignificant? Was there no weight or value to it? To me, this is one of the most important things we could look at right now because it's not giving us just arrows, go this way. It's giving us a solid framework. It only happens one way. If we want Grace Bible Church to be built up, we're not talking about numbers. Numbers are insignificant for our situation. That's not what this passage is talking about. If we want to see Grace Bible Church built up, it is the receiving of every opportunity where the Word is going forward and that reception causing an assimilation within the body that yields the result of upward 
It's very interesting that it's the idea of a body, but yet it's using building terms. It's construction terms. Why is that? Because all of it is nourishment, the word, exercise, the ministry. What happens? How do we know that? Look at verse 13. Until, that's an interesting word because that says how long these offices should be doing this. There's a point in time where we can stop. Until we all, notice Paul includes himself in we, all means praise Jesus, every single saint. We all attain, arrive at, till we all come to a point, to the A, unity of the faith. In other words, we're in full agreement about Bible doctrine. Are we in full agreement about Bible doctrine? Are we? Well, in the main things, let me tell you this, I think the rapture of the church is a main thing. I think understanding that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, that's a main thing. Because when we get beyond those things, what people are telling me, they don't know how to read. They know how to theologize. And that doesn't help us. We've got to be united on what the Bible says. I mean, it seems simple, right? We all have the same Bible. Why can't we all just get along? Seems to make sense, doesn't it? Notice, until these offices are to be investing the word and that should be received in the ministry work happening for the building up of the body until we all arrive to the unity of the faith, togetherness. But look what else it says. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, this Greek word, epigenosis, means a precise or a correct knowledge. In other words, we're thinking about the Savior correctly. And in order to think about the Savior correctly, we have to think about Him biblically. Do we all know that there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to judge every one of us? Not for a situation for lake of fire. That's, that's off the table for believers in Christ. It's not even on His radar. Do you know how many Christians are repulsed at the idea that Jesus is going to judge? Let me ask you this real quick, because there's a lot of people think, well, I don't like a judgmental Jesus. Then you don't like the Jesus of the Bible. He's very loving. He's constantly calling us, come, take of the water of life freely. Take it with no cost. I offer it freely for my sacrifice. It's yours. Be saved. He does it all the time. Is there any time that Jesus has ever pointed us in a bad direction? Has Jesus' counsel ever been a little, mm, no? So let me ask you this. Is he a good judge? Is he a perfect judge? In fact, when he judges something, is everyone going to have to pause for a second and go, you know what, he's right. We will. Regardless of the wrong that we participate in that merits such judgment, the judgment wasn't wrong. We were wrong. Now, thankfully, at that moment, we're going to be in glorified bodies, which means when he judges, we're going to go, Jesus, you're right. I got nothing to say, but yeah. And it's going to cause us to worship him. Why? Because his wisdom is so far beyond what we understand. His counsel is so exceeding and surpassing of what we would possibly think. He's good. Until we all come to a biblical, a right, a sound knowledge of Him. A deep knowledge of Him. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to a mature man. Real quick, that's unity and, and right knowledge about Jesus. You put them together, that's what you get. Maturity. When I'm seeking to be unified around the Bible with my brothers and sisters and I'm thinking about God and Jesus Christ correctly, unity and maturity being built up. Now that happens by the Word being brought into our lives, taught, and ministering, exercising. Flabby church ain't making it. It's not good. We can be smart as the day is long. But if that word is not generating where we should rely on the Lord to exercise love with our brothers and sisters and to have compassion on those who don't know the Lord, and you know I don't agree with this, but I'll go ahead and say it. Instead of being so worried about what their sexuality is, we got concerned with their soul that they needed to meet Jesus. I'm not saying all gay people are lost. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we're so worried about sometimes trying to get people to behave that we forgot the real issue of the need of Jesus. It's not whoever behaves will not perish. Whoever believes. Let the Holy Spirit sort that out. He's going to do a much better job than I am at that stuff. Good grief. A mature man, and here it is, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I sat there and I looked at that verse for weeks. What in the world does that mean? Well, the measure, right? Got that? How you measure something, how you can tell whether or not it equals up to the stature. What's a stature? What's somebody's stature? We don't know, do we? Isn't that interesting? We can't really say it. It's the idea of coming into a fullness of expectation. Like when you say, you know, my wife often says, I'm 5'1", I sure hope the boys get your height. Kind of thing, right? It's kind of like that. I don't know. We're probably going to end up with kids that are like 6'10". I don't know. We'd be like, good grief. But they filled into this stature. They came into and we could measure into this fullness of all that they were supposed to be in every facet of their life. Here's the interesting thing. The head is already at full maturity. That's Christ. He's desiring for his body to grow into the full measurement and stature of which the head is as well. In other words, he wants us to grow up in him. We're going to look at that next week. In such a way as to where the movement from head to body as far as Christ is concerned is seamless. Because we have the, look what it says at the end, the fullness of who? The fullness of Christ. Notice that's not just a little taste of Christ. Notice that's not just a little, well, I subscribe to that. It's the idea that Jesus is all in all in us. Or let's say it this way of how we would seek to minister that to somebody. We proclaim Christ warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. There's the word imparted from these offices. Why? So that we could present everyone mature in Him. That's the judgment. Now how does that judgment go well? Are we receiving the word? Number one, we have to ask the question, is the word being taught? If the word is being taught... Are we receiving it? And are we being equipped with it? Are we thinking differently? 
handling situations differently because we're relying more fully on what God has already revealed. If that is the question, here's the thing, and here's where the rubber meets the road. What are we doing with our lives? What have we done with our lives? What decisions are we making now? How is what we're doing in the betterment of the body of Christ? Because what we know is that when the Word comes in, the production that comes out is supposed to lead in an upward manner. It's supposed to send us up. Does the reception of the Word and the produce that comes out of it skyrocket your brothers and sisters? Let me say it this way. Is Grace Bible Church a church that is thriving or surviving? There's a difference. There's a difference between barely making it, barely eking it out, running on fumes. And the way that you know that you're barely surviving is because the flesh has become the power source of the body. Now, trivia question. How much power does your flesh have? Nothing. The flesh profits nothing. We know that verse, don't we? So nothing good's going to come out of it. We look busy, but eternally speaking, it's wood, hay, stubble. And when it meets fire, it will be burned to a crisp, and nothing will be left of it but smoke. If we want to talk about what it is to truly be growing, building up as a church. And here's one thing that we should walk away with. If Grace Bible Church is to thrive, explode, grow, which way do we grow? Up. Then the Word of God has got to make a difference in my life. Me receiving is not simply about me getting for the building up of me. Spiritual gifts are never given for the point of self. Sometimes I get concerned because when I talk to some people, not naming anybody, can't think of anybody in this room, okay? So don't read into it. Oh my gosh, is it me? No, but if you feel like that, it's probably the Holy Spirit convicting you, okay? But there's a lot of self-ministering that goes on in a lot of situations. And we wonder why there's no satisfaction in our Christian walk. It's because we were never called to minister to self. We were called to minister to others. We were called to take of the Word of God and it flow through us for the sake of hitting other people. The Word never ends in ourself. It always flows forward. And sometimes... We find the people in our circles of influence are having a difficult time drinking because we have damned this up with self. I'm just here to get what I can get and learn more about God so that I can know. And I'm so curious about this subject, so I'm going to study it out, and it stops right here. And we wonder why we're so soured and unsatisfied. Don't take this the wrong way, but the reason is is because we're backed up. We met a roadblock. And things need to get flowing again. How does that get flowing? If you're someone who's not participating in a ministry in the church, let me encourage you today. Get involved. I'll go ahead and tell you this with complete confidence. It's exactly what Jesus wants you doing. No one came to this church by accident. 
Nobody walked through those doors by accident. Nobody has stayed for any amount of time by accident. God is not orchestrating and building the local body so that we are a false, droopy representation of Him before this dead world. When they look at us, they should see the living, thriving, vibrant, glorious Savior. And everything we do, everything we say, everything we minister. Are you applying the Word of God? Are you ministering to building up the body? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you make the difference in the Word given. Father, how important it is that we embrace every subject that comes our way through the teaching of the Word of God. How that it is added to our person, added to our being for Your glory, for Your righteousness. That You would be exalted amongst people. Lord, we live in such critical times. Critical. Give us wisdom to be faithful. Change our hearts today if we're obstinate. There's so many things that we worry about that You don't care about. Father, help our hearts to cease to care about frivolous and fruitless things. And instead, replace it with Your Word. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.